your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wide receivers each way. Leopard gets the snap. Zone read, back to throw, being rushed, gets hit, bubbles the football. Pick it up. Picked up yes. Nebraska, racing toward the goal line, and scoring is Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams knocked the ball free, scoop and score. It's all Nebraska right now in Lincoln. 23-3, big red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Oh, yeah, here we are, Friday night. Before another Husker home football game, the Fighting Illini are here. Their equipment trailer is parked at the south side of the stadium. Lovey's beard is gone. Both teams picked up their first win last week. It's on, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Welcome to the program. If you want to be a part of it, 531-500-4686. That's our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I'm ready. I'm excited for this. And I, I would be really pretty much anyway, Ben, but more so just because – Oscars won last week. You feel like there's a little bit of a skip in the step and maybe a chance to put back-to-back wins on the board tomorrow with Illinois here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal. You know, winning uh, a couple in a row, gaining that confidence is important, especially with what lies in front of Nebraska after this week. And, you know, Nebraska really needs to get one against Iowa, but it starts tomorrow against the, the Fighting Illini. And, you know, that's... That's important. It's important to be feeling good on all cylinders, um, you know, heading into the Black Friday game with the Hawkeyes next week. Pre-game begins in less than 12 hours. We get the opening drive going tomorrow. If you have some thoughts about this Illinois matchup, we can dive into that. No media availability today from the Huskers, so we don't have any update from what we had last night from Ryan Held, who was on the program, and then Scott Frost comments yesterday to the media afterwards. I think... There's still some doubt and concern about Diedrich Mills being available. He did not finish the game last week. DeAndre Thomas also injured last week. No update on him. It's one of those things, Ben, we kind of wait till the team comes out to warm up before the game, and you kind of get eyeballs, and you kind of do a head count out there to see who is or isn't dressed and working out for the football game. That's why your, your pregame reports are so important because – that's kind of our first glimpse at what we may see on the field. There is a Big Ten game in about 20 minutes. Minnesota hosting Purdue tonight, and several reports are saying that there are upwards of 20 Gopher players not available tonight, either because of injury or COVID issues. That is a huge chunk of Gopher football players not available tonight. It does look like Purdue will suit up and play for the first time this year. Rondale Moore, he's going through warm-ups up there tonight. So we might as well get it out of the way here. Kickoffs in about 20 minutes. We do have our Big Ten Choices Treatment Center picks coming up in hour number two, but this game kicks off at 630. So let's go around the horn. Ben, who you got in this one tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Purdue, um, you know, not just because of the report that you mentioned, but I just think that they're so far away from um, 
putting a complete effort together talking about Minnesota now that um, I think Purdue's finally starting to get healthy. I think Karloftis is going to give it a go tonight. I don't know what his injury status is, what what it is that's bothering him, but I know that um, it's been enough to keep him out of a few games, and he's a difference maker when he's in there. I give Minnesota some credit. I, I, I've been bagging on them a lot, but you know there are, there are some teams in the Big Ten that um, had significantly less issues with this, with COVID, that decided that they're just going to punt on a few games. Um and and just not go forward and playing and you know I, minnesota could have easily done that that they, they could have said you know what we're, we're not comfortable with our numbers and and we're not going to play you know we saw wisconsin do it with you know probably a third of the amount of positive cases uh that minnesota has right now so i give credit to the gophers for even strapping it up and giving it a go when it would have been easy to say yeah we're, we're not we're not going to do that we're not ready so you know I'm, I'm glad for that and i'm glad that we're gonna have football to watch tonight one one other nugget aiden o'connell the starting quarterback for purdue for the first three games of their season also not playing tonight he's not even in uniform didn't make the trip so they're going to be going with a different quarterback are the boilermakers for this game does that change your pick of purdue in any way shape or form I don't think so Plummer's played plenty um, or at least enough to where I'm, I'm comfortable with him and I think he's comfortable in the offense so is it ideal no I think O'Connell's played at a, a pretty high level considering where he was last year I don't think they expected maybe the jump that he's had this year but um, no that's to me Rondale Moore trumps the loss of O'Connell I, I, I trust Rondale Moore I trust Bell I tr- trust Horvath and I trust Jeff Brom so no I have no reason to believe okay. that that's going to change my opinion all right so Purdue Pete you're all down all right Tim Curran you're on the clock what do yeah, you got let's get the expert on here um I'm gonna go with the boilers uh just because I you know I've actually been I don't know if I've been pleasantly surprised is the right word to use, but I've actually been kind of surprised at the way Purdue's coming out. I think they were picked to finish last in my uh, position rankings for the West when we were doing that uh, a while back. Seems like forever ago now. Um, But, yeah, Minnesota just hasn't shown it uh, to me uh, this year thus far. They've been sluggish. They haven't really been all that impressive um, they lost big to Iowa last week on that Friday night game. So, uh, you know, I, I just can't in good conscience side with the Gophers the way they've been playing. So give me Purdue. It's probably going to be a rock fight. It's probably not going to be very pretty. Uh, but I think the Boilers pull this one out in the end. Boilers are favored by two. Austin Orman, are you going to just fall in line with these two guys or do you have a different thought on this one? Boiler up. Boiler up. They're, they're chucking it on two-thirds of their snaps. Plus, they get Rondale Moore back, and Horvath is at least a credible runner with Karloff just back. I like the Boilers tonight as well. Okay. Uh, make it four for four. I'm going Purdue as well tonight. Kickoff in about 30 minutes. There are four games in college football tonight. Syracuse Louisville's on ESPN. That one is just underway. You've got UMass playing FAU on CBS Sports Network at 7, and at 8.30 tonight, FS1's got a Mountain West game, Air Force and New Mexico playing out in Colorado Springs. So you've got plenty of college football to pick from uh, tonight if you want to jump into some college football. All right, so there we go. We, we took care of that business before kickoff. We're all boiler, boiler up. Uh, Tim or Josh, either one, What does or does our absentee picker, Josh Hilkerman, have a choice for this one? Uh, he, he has not submitted his picks in. That's very unlike Josh. Um, very very shocking, surprising. He's leading the pack right now, not to spoil anything, but we'll see. I'll have to, I'll have to reach out to him, see if he has a, a well, guess. Do we have to hold his hand? I mean, if he can't get a pick submitted, he just loses, <laughs> right? Just texted him. Just texted him. He says uh, okay. he's taking Minnesota. 
Okay. Oh, rocking the boat. Josh going with the home team tonight. Okay, well, we'll get back to the picks coming up in hour number two. All right, um, man, <laughs> we just we were so excited this week, Ben, because we got the Husker basketball conference schedule. We got the Husker basketball non-conference schedule yesterday, and now you can kind of blow a part of it up because this multi-team event that Nebraska has been working on with Elevate Hoops, a promoter for several months, is crumbling, crumbling before our eyes. Earlier today, it came out that St. Louis and LSU were out, not going to take part in the tournament. In fact, they're going back to St. Louis, and they're going to play each other with somebody else that they've added. That was to be who Nebraska was going to play on Thanksgiving Day with St. Louis U. Um, And then we've learned that San Francisco is out. They're going to go to the Mohegan Sun tournament back in Connecticut. So they're going to fly clear across the country to play next week instead of stopping here in Lincoln for games. Uh, And and now there's there's even talk that it's just down to a three-team field and may not happen at all. This is bizarre. Travis Ford, the head coach of St. Louis, made some comments about Oh, there's some things about that event that has not been made public that made us feel uncomfortable. I don't know what the heck that means. So I don't – the only thing I can tell you, Husker fans, is the game with McNeese State, which is not part of the event, is on. That's the opener on Wednesday at 11 a.m. After that, I don't know if the Huskers play next weekend at all. It, this is really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I think the this entire – scheduling thing is just so annoying to me you know having to to come on here every night and talk about it is just it you know we don't have any control over what's going on and i don't think there there are a lot of people that do so this is just something that's going to happen it's going to where there's going to be something new every day whether nebraska's involved or not you know something in regard the scheduling is is going to be affected as long as covid's a thing creighton announced yesterday that they're halting team activities and it's no different no matter what sport we're dealing with right now, whether it be the NFL, the, the you know, NBA starting up, college basketball, college football. We're, you know, it just – I'm not surprised by anything anymore. So, you know, the the fact of the matter is Nebraska is going to have a season. We know that. We, we As far as we know, the McNeese State game is going to happen. But other than that, you just – you, you got to be flexible and it, it is weird. It's bizarre, but this isn't going to change the, the, you know, as long as COVID's around and, and there's not a vaccine and there's not, you know, a foolproof way to avoid it. Um, it's going to scare teams off schemes. Teams are going to come down with it. They're going to have outbreaks and there are going to be games that are canceled. And it's just something that we have to deal with. And so scheduling changes, not getting schedules to the last minute. It's annoying, you know, to, to have to come on here every night and talk about it but at the same time it's it's just part of the deal and so you know as of right now nebraska is going to play mcneese nate do we know what's going to happen beyond that no but we can tell you more games will happen after that so you know i'm ready i'm ready to just start the season and if the if the huskers opponent can play if nebraska can play great if not we'll move on to the next team and you know it's um it's just the times that we live in and it's it's been we've been dealing with this since March and since sports have been picked back up and it's just not going anywhere. So we're just kind of stuck with the the situation. 
Jeff Goodman, who's a college basketball uh, writer for The Athletic, is, is just tweeted a little bit ago that he's hearing from more and more college basketball coaches that feel like the season should be pushed back a month. I, I don't know if, if that's going to happen. I feel like there's been too many things kind of etched in, not in stone, but written down commitments made to do that at this late date. We're five days away from the opening day of the season. You do have a handful of programs that have now had to shut down. A lot of college basketball programs have only been testing once a week. That starts to go to three times a week. Nebraska has been testing more than that, but a lot of, because it's expensive to test. You've got to have money to be able to test young young men and women. A lot of conferences are going to go to three times a week in basketball next week. So this outbreak could be even worse. Uh, So, folks, I don't know. I I, I think the McNeese State game, as far as we know, is on. That's the Wednesday opener. That game was not part of the multi-team event. So that's on. But anything beyond that for next weekend, the Thursday game with with St. Louis U is obviously off. I should also say the Western Kentucky, who was supposed to be here, they're leaving. They're going to go to the one up in South Dakota that Creighton had to bail out on because Creighton has an outbreak now. So they had to back out of that tournament up there. That was the bad boy mowers classic up in sioux falls so western kentucky leaves here to go there uh so it's just been it's just been crazy all the jockeying teams leaving left and right i'm sure there's reasons for it i I don't know what they are i mean nebraska's event i think was set to go and happen and there were but then you have teams that are leaving not because they can't play because of covid but because they just want to go somewhere else and so it's all very very bizarre to me uh, what's been happening in the last 24 hours with this event we'll continue to follow it track it try as best we can to get it tracked and and uh, give you the latest information as we get it all right uh, that's what we have here on the program tonight 5315406 Huskers and the Fighting Illini tomorrow at Memorial Stadium, 11 o'clock kickoff. Pre-game coverage here on the network begins at 6. Huskers uh, looking to make it two in a row. Well, in fact, both teams are looking to make it two straight wins as the uh, Illini beat Rutgers last week in Piscataway with a last-second field goal from James McCourt to win 23-20. to Husker Game Day, which comes on the air at 7 tomorrow with Ben and Brendan, always features a sit-down conversation, Ben, between you and a Husker player. We've dubbed it the Cornhusker Conversation. What's what's on the docket for tomorrow's pregame? Yeah, probably the number one Cornhusker everyone wants to hear from is Luke McCaffrey making his first Husker start. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes this week. So a nice sneak peek of what you can hear tomorrow on our Husker Game Day chat with Husker quarterback Luke McCaffrey. It is another edition of our Cornhusker Conversation. Today we're happy to welcome in now Nebraska quarterback Luke McCaffrey. Luke, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind couple of weeks for you, man. How have you uh, just taken in the last uh, 14 days or so? I just embraced it. You know, have fun. F- football is my passion. It's, it's my motivation. And so it's, it's been a blast. Football has been a part of your life pretty much your entire life, and you've been, you know, your entire life kind of led up to the moment where you made your first start. You were told you were, you were starting. What's what's the feeling then? You know, you get home and, um, you know, you have some time to yourself to kind of think about it and process it. What, what's kind of going through your mind after you've been told that, you know, that you're going to be handed the reins? Yeah, the biggest thing was to just keep preparing throughout the week to make sure that I was ready, that our team was ready, and, and we had all the necessary necessary things needed to go out there and play confident and play fast 
Luke, we uh, chatted a little bit in the offseason just how we got to this point, and your coaches have been so complimentary of you, of, of just your work ethic and, and, the, and the work that you did to allow you to really get to this point. Uh, what, what, what moment was it for you that you, know, you really knew that those steps need to be taken and, and that you were willing to take it and take on this role of you know, thrusting yourself into this thing? I don't know if there was a moment specifically, but when, when everything shut down this spring, being able to work out with my brothers and, and have my dad there was something that helped push me and motivate me a little bit more to, to maybe fine tune some more aspects of, of my game. You, uh, you commit to Nebraska as, as quarterback and, and you come play here. Uh, your brothers have kind of been all over the place. Christian at Stanford, Dylan at Michigan, yet another one at Duke. You guys have been all over the map. What was it about Lincoln, Nebraska that was appealing to you? Uh, the biggest thing that stood out was his coaching staff, Coach Frost, Coach Verdusco. Both of them were the, the main catalysts in, in why I'm here and, and why I'm happy to be here as well. <laughs> You, I'm sure, garnered a lot of interest from a lot of places. When did that start? When, when did you really notice, you know, people kind of looking at you, and you know, you you had a you began your recruiting process, so to speak. Uh, after my sophomore year of high school. What, so offers start coming. I'm sure you're, uh, you know the name McCaffrey holds a, a certain amount of allure. So there, you had probably some eyes on you before you know you were even you know getting it getting it turned up. But when did you notice yourself, Luke, as a football player, turn a corner in high school? Go, yeah, I, I have I have what it takes. I can I can go play at this level. I don't know if there was a moment exactly. That's that's what uh, every football player dreams of since they were younger. And so it's something I've always strived for and. And always looked forward to. Walk through us your your origins at quarterback. You know, you think of your family lineage. Your your dad was a wide receiver. Your brother is a running back. Your other brother was a quarterback. You have another wide receiver in the family. How how did you get attracted to the quarterback position? Yeah, my dad kind of pushed all of us to be a quarterback since we were younger. And my older two ended up getting distracted with some other positions, and finally two stuck with with me and Dylan. So. That's really what where, is it about it the came. position that you love? You know, just having your, your hands on the ball and involved all the time. What was what is it about that position that you know you really love and you know you, you just wanted to stick with it? Yeah, it probably has a little more availability to get the ball and be creative. You know, it's it's fun because offensive line and quarterback are the two positions that probably sub the least, and so to be on the field as much as possible is is something that's a blast. Do you remember your first season playing football? Do you remember the first time that you that, that you were allowed to, to go turn it loose? What, tell us about what that was like. Yeah, the Parker Hawks in second grade had my dad as my coach. <laughs> it was a blast. I remember my first season, I think we, uh, we won one game. We were, we were smaller than our helmets. <laughs> and then after that, it, it, was, it was fun from there. When you first started playing, what were you like just as a, I mean, I don't even know what to call it, not a student necessarily, but as a sponge? Because at this time, you've got obviously your dad you were looking up to, but you've had, you have a, older brothers too. Where, where were they kind of at in their careers and how seriously they were taking football when you were just starting? Oh, they were, they were my idols growing up. <laughs> so even throughout Little League, when, when my brothers were playing, they were always studs whatever level they were at and so just to watch them play and sit there on the sideline in awe I would uh, I would be at their games and be on the sideline just trying to reenact whatever they were doing with with whoever else was there whoever's younger brothers were there 
there's a fair amount of age gap between you guys. So tell us, like, what a backyard football game in the McCaffrey house was like growing up. Like, what, were the teams always fair? Was it the old, older brothers beating up on the younger brothers? How did that typically go down? No, nah, so our teams for almost anything were Max, my oldest brother, who who's 25 now, and Christian, who's 23. And they, they would split up with me and Dylan, who are the younger two. And so, so throughout that, we would, we would even them out a little bit. <laughs> so walk us through what a what a, what a what a game or a pickup game or it doesn't even have to be football but basketball is like because I'm imagining your dad is involved in this in some capacity and there there was probably some blood sweat and tears you know shed on a few driveways and backyards growing up. Yeah, I would definitely emphasize the uh, the blood and tears part of that one. <laughs> <laughs> who, whoever lost usually usually didn't say too much for the next couple of days and whatever we were competing with. <laughs> So you're so well, you know this this is pretty unique to have to have three brothers all play Division one football at, at big time schools. Luke, when you're kind of experiencing this with them and they're deciding where they want to go to school, and then you're watching them play on Saturdays, what's that like as a younger brother? And then you see the success that they had, um, you know, on the field and, and even at the next level. Like, what, what's the is it surreal at all for you just sitting back and letting this all play out? Yeah, it's it's a huge blessing. There, there's something very thankful in my heart for that to be able to have role models like them on and off the field. You know, the people they are, not just playing football, but the, the passion they bring to life, to to our family, to the game of football is is something that's unmatched. And to have those role models in my life is such a blessing. And and the only word that comes to mind is how thankful I am. A lot of this conversation is geared towards your family because I know how important they are to you. It's clear watching your dad over the last few months how important you guys are to him as well. But uh, th th we are here to get to know you a little bit better. What's something about yourself that, that people may not know about you or be surprised to know about Luke McCaffrey? Ooh, I, uh, when I was in high school, my brother could learn how to play the piano. I'll connect it back to my family. So. So I tried to tickle the ivories a little bit. I, I never learned how to read music or anything, but uh, I tried to learn it just enough to where you can fake like you know piano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if, as long as you're not doing the thing where you start on one end and go into the other, and you, and you can yeah. actually put some notes together, it does look like yeah. you know what you're doing. Um, again, to go back to that last conversation we had just about the pandemic, and I know you got some some very valuable time with your family. What what was that like as a teammate? You know, you've got guys from all over the country that um, are dealing with things their own way, and you you're a, as a quarterback or probably you know a guy that's probably relied on bringing people together. What what did this do for your leadership and just your voice and having to use your voice to keep the team together? It brought us together a ton. The, the communication that was allowed to be held through that when, when we're not in our normal day-to-day -day activities was something that helped bring us together. There, there were guys like uh, DeCap, DiCaprio Boodle, and, and some of our other leaders, Colin Miller, who, who were able to communicate even when we weren't together. And so that made it, I think in the summer it was, when we were allowed to get back together, we, we all kind of bonded even more because we'd been through similar things and we had more experiences more uh, more aspects of our life that we could talk to that that were more unique than than maybe they would in a normal year part of what you can hear tomorrow in our Cornhusker conversation with Husker quarterback Luke McCaffrey um, I'm just imagining Greg what what four division one future division one athletes a backyard football game looks like with them 
Had to be epic, right? <laughs> and I'm sure any time that they're together as a family, they're probably competing, whether it's playing charades or Uno or anything. I mean, the competitive drive would just be unbelievable, I would think, between those guys. He And you can tell that's what drives him, is he's trying to be as good as his brothers. And Christian, obviously, is one of the best on the planet right now, so I think that's part of what motivates him. Yeah, I think so. And he's just a naturally competitive, energetic guy who is doing anything he can to win and you know help this team. And that's what I appreciate so much about not just Luke, but Adrian Martinez as well, because they both have that that gene in them where if one of them's struggling and the other one comes in and does well, there's not any pouting on the sideline. There's not they're not at the end of the bench with their helmet on and their hand in the top of their shoulder pads, just letting their teammates celebrate. Last week, Adrian was, you know, the first one out there celebrating with his teammates. And I think Luke would do the same. So um, I think that's so important to have at the quarterback position. Here we are, hour two, Sports Highly on a Friday night. Hope you had a good week. Hope you're ready for the big weekend coming up, including the Oscar game tomorrow against the Fighting Illini with a kickoff of 11. Pre-game coverage begins at 6 a.m. We've got our Big Ten picks coming up here in a couple of minutes. We'll hear from Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network as well. All that here on this hour and some time later on in the hour for some more calls and comments. But let's get into the our Big Ten predictions. Brought to you by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. In hour one, we had to pick the Purdue-Minnesota game to recap that. Everybody but Josh picked the Boilermakers. Josh went with the home team, the Gophers, who just took the lead back late in the first quarter with an Ibrahim touchdown. They are now up 13-7, waiting on the extra points. So Josh uh, has an early lead. Tim, give us a recap of last week and where we sit with the standings. Uh, gladly. Well, uh, last week we all did uh, – pretty well uh ben got tripped up on iowa minnesota he was the only one that went with the goofs uh and and whiffed badly on that one we all sided with the state college of new Jersey. uh that ended up going the wrong way for us as illinois won that game uh, a couple of us picked the wolverines and one of us greg uh thought virginia tech was going to get it done uh against miami that oh, did not happen uh, they were ahead the whole way that's right did not in the end happen and i picked smu or tulsa i i doubted uh, the Golden Hurricanes, very sad. Were you for the me. only ones? I was the only one. Really? Uh, well, I guess Austin. Austin also did. He picked That's the points. So, uh, and then for the totals for the week, um, <laughs> I went six of eight. Josh went six of eight. Greg, you went six of eight. Uh, ben going five of eight. And Austin, a paltry four of eight. Oh, awesome. On the week. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. He's, but, un, he's untouchable in face-off, but his Big Ten picks lack. Yeah, he's, he's swinging for the fences at this point and really whiffing. You know, I'm, I'm down pretty big in the season standings. I'm taking too many too many shots to try to get back in, but i got to just go with my go with my gut, I yeah. guess, not overthink it. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good. Uh, and the totals for the season, uh, sitting in first place is Josh Hilkeman mm. at 78 of 104. We got some work to do to catch up with him. Uh, and then in second place, uh, we have a tie with Greg and Ben, who are both sitting at 74 of 104. We're, f- we're four back of Josh, huh? Yeah. he's Wow. Uh, he's really pacing us right now. Uh, and then uh, sitting in third, uh, 72 of 104, that's me. Uh, and then Austin, uh, deep into last place, it's 68 <laughs> of 104. It's not looking good. 
Yeah, he just he just worries about Thursday night and killing all of us in faceoff. So <laughs> yeah, that's where his attention's at right now. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Tim, we'll lead off with you here. 11 a.m. tomorrow, the top 10 matchup at the Horseshoe. Ninth-ranked Indiana visiting third-ranked Ohio State. The Buckeyes nearly a three-touchdown favorite. How do you see that one? Yeah, Indiana top-10 team, and we're not talking about the hardwood. That's uh, kind of unfathomable to think about. Um, As good as the Hoosiers have been this season, I can't – pick against the Buckeyes uh, we Nebraska saw what they could do week one uh, they've had relatively little trouble uh, in their other games uh, the Buckeyes will win this one probably not big uh, but I think they'll get the dub and it shouldn't be too difficult for them to, to be the Hoosiers Austin multiple scores give me the buck nuts yeah I, I don't I just don't see Indiana being able to score with Ohio State who's still trying to make sure they're a lock for the playoff I think they'll get some They'll look some uh, beauty points, and I think they pile it on. I think they win fairly comfortably tomorrow. I've been saying on the show I'm going to pick Indiana until they lose. Um, there's always a there's always an exception to the rule, and Ohio State is that exception. So I am going to hop off the, the Hoosier bandwagon for just one week. I'll probably be back on it next week, but for now, give me the bucks. Okay. What did uh, Josh do? Uh, Josh also picked the Buckeyes. All right. Very good. Okay, Austin, you. Let's go to the 2.30 matchups. Here it is, the battle for the West. Wisconsin 10th ranked against 19th ranked Northwestern. The Badgers favored by just over a touchdown. That line seems a little high, especially at the way these two teams have played at Ryan Field. Northwestern's won four of the last five in Evanston. Wisconsin looked much better than I gave them credit for coming off their long layoff against Michigan last week. And, you know, maybe part of that is that they're playing Michigan, who is in a bad way right now. But I, I'm going to swing for the fences here a little bit. I'll take Northwestern to keep their their good home record against Wisconsin going. So give me the Cats close. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm going Badgers, and I think they win by 10. 24-14 is my projected score, so give me UW. Uh, I, <clears throat> I hate picking Wisconsin because uh, I just there are a lot of things about that program that I don't like. Um, part of me thinks that maybe this is kind of another year of destiny for Northwestern, but this is the, this is the type of game that always gets me because I, I pick with my head and not my heart. So I'm, I'm going to pick with my head and pick Wisconsin, but I'm not happy about it. I'm going to pick Wisconsin, and I'm, I'm fairly happy with the decision. I mean, I don't think it's a slam dunk. The Badgers walk away with a W, but, um, you know, Wisconsin, uh, you, you had the question mark coming into that meeting with Michigan. You thought, okay, how are they going to come out swinging? They haven't played in a while. What's going to happen here? And they promptly crumpled up uh, Harbaugh's Michigan like they were a, a Dixie Cup. They just crushed them. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to pick against the Badgers. I think they're a solid team. Northwestern's good as well, but Wisconsin is just a lot better. Okay, and how about Josh? Josh also picking the Badgers. Okay. All right, also at 2.30 on BTN tomorrow, Iowa at Penn State. The Hawkeyes, a road favorite of a point and a half. I think Penn State found something in the second half against Nebraska. I think they're going to make the switch at quarterback. I think they found what he can do well. I, they're too good a team to not win one of these. I think, they, I think they get their first win of the season tomorrow in a close one, but they get it done. I like the Lions. Man, I've been uh, I've been Team Hawkeye all week, but I'm kind of with you. The big thing with with Penn State, they just have a guy, have the guy have a guy out there that's not going to turn the football over. <clears throat> and Clifford's done way too much of that. I'm expecting a lot of Will Levis tomorrow. Probably a lot of Will Levis with his legs. 
Um, so to me, you know, when it, when it comes down to, to Iowa and, and Penn State, I, I do think Penn State's defense is, is pretty tough. Um, man, this is uh, – I could, I could honestly see this game going either way. Give me Penn State. I'm not really thrilled about the pick. Um, but just because I, I, I want Iowa to lose for, for multiple reasons, give me, give me the Nittany Lions. Well, things are not so happy in Happy Valley, uh, I'm afraid. And although Will Levis definitely stands a better chance at getting them a win than over than Sean Clifford, um, I, I still think I'm going to have that side with the Hawkeyes. Iowa, they, have, they were really, really unimpressive, to say the least, in their first two weeks. But since then have put some points on the board, albeit against Michigan State and Minnesota. But that's not nothing. I, I think that Iowa's going to keep the ball rolling here. Penn State dealing with a little bit of off-the-field issues, uh, so to speak, to, to put it mildly. Uh, so give me the Hawkeyes. It'll probably be close, but I think the Hawkeyes get it done. Yeah, Iowa's turned it on lately, but I'll take Penn State because of Levis. And we heard all week the coaches talking about how physical Penn State's lines were. I think that really helps them. They can match up with Iowa pretty well there. I trust will levis more than i do spencer petrus and i think penn state is still pretty motivated i think they still want to get on the board i think they'll do it at home those two have had epic games when they play each other and i think tomorrow's also really tight really close so it'll be a fun one to watch under the lights tomorrow night in piscataway ben rutgers hosts michigan the wolverine there's i'm not on my board i don't even have a line on this game two one and three teams what you got huh <laughs> What I got is two teams that are really struggling right now. It, it was it, if Harbaugh loses this one, it, they might just pull the plug. I mean, they might just say, you know what, we're we're gonna finish this this crappy, weird twenty twenty year without you. I think Michigan wins because they're more talented. I really liked what I saw from their backup. It wouldn't shock me if Joe Milton rides the pine uh, the rest of the year, but. <sighs> I, I didn't know that I'd pick Michigan to win another game after last week, but I, I'm going to pick them, gen, sticking with my general rule of thumb to not pick Rutgers to win in anything. Um, and they really let me down last week, not beating Illinois. So give me the Wolverines with a question mark. That's, a, that's probably a fair rule in life. You know, I was ready to board the Rutgers hype train, and, uh, you know, I, I got off it before I could even get to New Brunswick. Uh, I'm sorry, Rutgers, I'm, I'm out again. Uh, Greg Schiano will probably get that program turned around, but it's not going to happen this year. Uh, give me the Wolverines. Uh, Michigan, they're, uh, they've struggled, to put it mildly, this season. Uh, but even a struggling team uh, can get past Rutgers, I think. Uh, man, I, I want to pick Rutgers. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I really, really do. I, I just can't bring myself to, to pull the trigger. I think they'll be hungry for a win after how last week's game against Illinois ended. I don't think this is this is going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be pretty ugly, but I, I will take Michigan in the end. Yeah, there's just a talent gap here, and it's just Michigan's got too much talent. They, they win. It won't be pretty, but they get it done. I skipped Josh's pick in the Northwest or the Penn State-Iowa game, so what was that, and then what was his pick for this one? Uh, Josh sided with uh, Michigan here. And Iowa over Penn State. Okay, so he goes Hawkeyes in that game. All right, let's go to some top 25 matchups. Tim, we're coming to you. The 15th-ranked Coastal Carolina Club hosting App State. They are favored by five at home, 11 o'clock on the deuce tomorrow. What do you think of this matchup? Well, give me the Chanticleers, if only uh, because I think more teams need to borrow uh, nicknames from Middle English and, and uh, Jeffrey Chaucer. That's, that's good Isn't stuff. that 
Isn't that Ord's nickname? They won the state champion. champion. Ord. There you go. Exactly. Uh, Ord. Ord also also killed the game. Um, yeah. I, I. Now, to be honest, the only Coastal Carolina action I caught this year was that that dub over Kansas. So uh, that's all I need to see, though. Coastal Carolina gets it done against App State. App State wins the uniform matchup. All whites. Their their Mountaineer has a red red and white beard with a star hat on. Pretty dope uniforms. You can find them on Twitter, but Coastal Carolina, I think this is their season of destiny, whatever that means for Coastal Carolina, however high that takes them. I'll take the Shanty Clears at home as well. I've seen both of these teams play. They're both pretty solid, but Coastal's got something magically going on, and they're the home team. Give me the home team. Everybody fig- figures the magic trick out eventually. I, I think it dies tomorrow. I- App State's done it you know, longer, more consistently. Uh, I, think they, I think they win, and... and the other reason I'm picking them is the uniforms. I saw the, the photo just like Austin did, and it's inconceivable to me they're going to run out there with those uniforms on and lose. So give me the Mountaineers. Sorry, Chance. Okay. Did Josh have a pick? Josh uh, does have a pick, and he also sided with Coastal Carolina. Okay. All right, moving down the board, Bedlam tomorrow night in Norman, Oklahoma State against Oklahoma. The Sooners a touchdown favorite. The Cowboys in first place in the Big 12 Conference. Austin, what do you make of this matchup? Oklahoma's playing much better as of late from their early season woes. Oklahoma State down a little bit. Oklahoma absolutely owns this series. But I can't pick Oklahoma because, obviously, so give me the pokes in this one. Boomer Sooner. Give me the Sooners. Yeah, uh, you, you can sing, uh, you know, Boomer Sooner all you want, but I'm always going to have an extra bullet in my pistol to fire up in the air. Um, so give me the pokes. I, I haven't loved what I've seen from Oklahoma, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, give me Oklahoma State, and let's get Chuba Hubbard going. Let, let me get yes. back on that on that bandwagon tomorrow. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm ready to board the, uh, the, the the Sooner, Boomer, Schooner, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> pistols will not be firing uh, during Bedlam. Now, that being said, whatever the over-under is, uh, hammer the over because Oklahoma, they have no defense. I expect this to be a high-scoring affair, but Spencer Rattler and the Sooners will have just enough to get it done against the Pokes. Give me Oklahoma, and uh, that's who Josh picked as well. It's 59-and-a-half, by the way, for the over-under. Over. <laughs> not even close. Okay. All right, Cowboys play pretty good defense. I'm just saying. All right, um, last pick of the night, USC. Pac-12 after dark at Utah, who's not played a game yet. The Trojans ranked 20th in the country, favored by three. And I forgot who we left off with. Is this my pick up first? Yep, back to you. Ah, give me the Utes. (laughs) I got nothing else. Just give me the Utes. (laughs) Utah hasn't played a game yet. U, uh, USC's speaking a team of destiny, you know, just crushing the hearts of the Arizona schools, uh, the Sun Devils and the Wildcats, and um, I think Keaton Slovis is is onto something. I, I don't know how injured he was at the end of that game against Arizona, but uh, made the drive when he needed to. Hmm. Trying to remember how that game went last year. I think it was USC Domination Station. I, they, they did. They won, in, they won in, in the Coliseum. So give, give me Trojan. Give me fight on. <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think USC, Southern Cal, will be fighting on uh, against the, the Utes. Uh, I think Keaton Slovis will probably be able to 
chuck the ball around the football field a little bit uh, tomorrow night. And uh, I would expect USC to win this one. Maybe not super comfortably, but uh, they'll win. Last year, it was at the Coliseum on a Friday night. 10th ranked Utah stormed into Los Angeles and then ran back with a 30 to 23 defeat. I will take USC as well with Utah having not played. Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, but they lost so much on the offensive side, even the defensive side too. So I, I don't think they're quite ready yet, but I think they'll they'll pick it up by the end of the year, but not in time for tomorrow. Give me the men of Troy. All right. What did Josh do? Uh, Josh picked USC as well. All right. So I'm the only one on the Utah Utes bandwagon. <laughs> it's a lonely yep. place. Go Utes. Friday Night Edition Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. About halfway through our final program of the week. Thanks to everybody for spending some time with us. That time of the show now where we change gears and talk some National Football League with our friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, uh, Thursday night games have been a lot of duds so far this year. We expected better last night and got better last night in the NFC West between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I think we all expected that game to go OT last night. I expected it to go T, and you know, of course, for me, I'm watching it. I'm on the East Coast. It's 11:30 at night. I have to get yeah. up for TV in the morning. I'm like, I want OT. Do I not want OT? But you know, there was a couple of things fascinating to me. First of all, Seattle kind of looked like maybe they used to, right? I mean, they ran the heck out of the ball. Physical, physical runs. I mean, Carlos Hyde destroyed a dude on the um, on the goal line, which is kind of interesting. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing is their defense which, you know, is much much maligned. I think everyone spent a lot of time cracking on their defense. They look pretty good. They covered better. They may be getting, you know, improvements at the right time. I think that stood out for Seattle. The other thing is for, you know, Kyler Murray. I mean, he had a sprained AC joint during the game. Was able to throw and kind of be fine, but just didn't have the same juice on the ball um, kind of going forward. So, I mean, it's – yeah, I think he's going to be fine, but he definitely was not 100% of himself, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Let's start with Seattle. As you you kind of talked about a little bit, their defense has taken a, a lot from people, just not being the unit that we're used to of the Legion of Boom and you know, really trying to, to scrape some things together. Uh, they, you're right, though. They, they did look really good last night, in particular with the pass rush and, and, and the coverage skills. If Seattle can can figure that figure that out, what what else is holding them back from from a deep playoff run? Because their offense is still playing at a pretty good level. Yeah, I don't think anything. I mean, they look if they are gonna, you know, let's let's say like let's say Seattle is average on defense, just literally average, like mediocre, right in the middle, sixteen or fifteen in the NFL. That to me means they're a Super Bowl team because their offense is good enough now, where. Russ can, you know, when he's not pressing, and I think you probably saw him press a little bit over the last couple of weeks, the MVP talk, the, you know, Russ needs to do so much. I mean, all those things were, you know, kind of prevalent, and he was starting to push a little hard. When he's regular and the defense is average, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And it was close last night. Um, it never quite felt that close. Um, I think Seattle is going to be really, really good down the stretch. Let's go to the other sideline. You mentioned Kyler Murray dealing with the shoulder, and they get Kenyon Drake back. DeAndre Hopkins caught the the Hail Mary two weeks ago, but I think, you know, really ever since the first few weeks, 
he and Kyler just haven't really seemed to be clicking at the level that maybe we thought they would or, or, or grow into at this point of the season. Kyler's still having a really good year, but how do you size up Arizona's offense right now? They had a handful of three and outs and um, you know, still trying to figure out what, what they want to do in the running game. Where are you at right now with Arizona's offense? Yeah, I mean, great question because, you know, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is great and, and all that. And one of the best receivers in the NFL is catch, you know, during the Hail Murray was amazing, everything, on and on and on. He is a unique route runner. He does not do it like a lot of players. And it could be frustrating. It take a while to get on the same page. I mean, I think Deshaun Watson would, would know the same thing. I mean, he spent years with DeAndre Hopkins and still there were times when he just – he doesn't quite run the route you're expecting, and so it's a little different. Um, I'm not surprised it takes Coward a little bit to get on the same page. I'm not surprised there's sometimes miscommunications. Hopkins is a brilliant player, but he is different, um, so that's why you might be kind of seeing what you're seeing. What What is a, the, the, the ceiling for Arizona's defense? I mean, I don't think it's entirely dissimilar to Seattle. I think they've been better than Seattle, but – you know, I, I think that their offense is probably a notch below the Seahawks. What, what What's it yeah. going to take for Arizona to compete for the division? I don't know. They can compete for the division. But I think, you know, where they look like to me in their sort of evolution is they look like a wild card team. They're not perfect. They have some great players. They have some warts. You know, the penalties are really – I mean, the J.R. – you know, mm-hmm. J.R. Sweezy making, you know, holding on the goal line. I mean, that's just, you know, he's a 10-year veteran. He's got to know better than that, right? I mean, even if your quarterback's going to get hit, you can't hold, you know, let your quarterback escape a little bit. I think that was, you know, that's kind of mind-numbing. But the quarterback's playing well. They got some other gaps. I mean, I think they're a wild-card team. But to me, the defense has really made some strides, looks good enough. Um, the only real, real, real concern is Patrick Peterson did not look good. And he, you know, should be one of the game's best corners. He's been for a decade. Not really playing like it anymore. And that's a little scary to me because if he can get exposed, then it exposes other places on the defense as well. Yeah, really the first time we've seen him a step slow. You make the argument his entire career, and that it should be a big concern for Cardinals fans. How do you size up the NFC West just as a whole right now? The Rams really look good against Seattle last week, and we know Seattle's going to be in the thick of it. It it seemed like the division took a step back maybe last year, two years ago, but it it seems like it's crawling back. Where where are you at with this division and how competitive it actually is? I mean, it it seems to me like it's back, right? I mean, and Arizona being good kind of solidifies that. Like, they're all good, you know, and I don't – I mean, we honestly – with seven playoff teams, you could see three from the division now. I mean, that wouldn't be the craziest thing ever, right? I mean, at least you could sort of see – well, Niners are probably out, but you could definitely see three. I mean, that is, to me, still the premier division in football. Um, they are big. They are physical. They have electric talented quarterback, which just, you know, makes it just more fun. I mean, they are they are awesome. And games like last night, man, I, I was loving every second of them. I thought that was fantastic. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network is our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Let's go from West Coast to down south in the bayou in, in New Orleans. This is going to be an interesting week for Saints fans. Saint Taysom Hill expected to start. What are you going to see from Sean Payton offensively this week? All the things that he wanted to 
to unleash. Seriously, like all all of the fun things. Because I really got the sense that over the course of the last couple of years, Sean Payton had had interest in Lamar Jackson. He had interest in some other athletic quarterbacks. Baker, I mean, I think he's wanted to run in a system where a quarterback gets to move around a little bit. And I believe there's something about Sean Payton where he just – he wants to move. He wants to let the quarterback move. He wants to create an offense. He wants to be a little more college-like. And we're going to get that. I mean, Taysom Hill is he is not Jameis Winston. He is the opposite of Jameis Winston. So we are going to see the opposite of the usual quarterback play, certainly the opposite of Drew Brees. Um, I, I really can't wait. I mean, I always kind of watch Saints games. They're fun. They're interesting. They're good. I will be watching this more fervently than I ever have because – um, this is really going to be fascinating. To anybody that's watched a Saints game, you know the affinity that Sean Payton has for Taysom Hill. There's a package for him, 10 to 12 plays every single week. Where are his complimentary pieces? It sounds like Kamara has missed a little bit of time with a foot, and Michael Thomas is always a question mark, at least here in 2020. How are his compliments uh, doing with terms of health and availability this week? Uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be fine. He has a foot kind of bruise, kind of a foot bruise. Um, and, you know, really that's that has limited him in practice, but is not limited on the game day. So I think he's going to be fine. Michael Thomas is kind of getting back in the mix. He's going to be okay. I think, you know, Taysom Hill has his full complement of weapons. The, the biggest question to me, and you kind of alluded to it, is how many plays does he get? I, I, how, how many plays does he have, right? Because – you know, we've seen – I think he's got five passes and eight tackles. So he's got more tackles than passes. <laughs> you don't see that very often. How, like, does he have the full playbook? What What does he actually know? You know, these yeah. are, like, legitimate questions I have, and we're going to – you know, we certainly are going to see it on, on Sunday, but um, how big do they open this playbook for him and how much latitude do they give him, or is it going to be literally him running the single wing and kind of some of the other gadget plays that we've seen? That's what I'm – very, very curious about going forward. Absolutely. I'm also curious about what's going to happen with Las Vegas. One of your tweets earlier in the week really struck me, Ian, about just the status of some of these guys for Vegas. Um, a lot of guys right now that are that are questionable at best to play against Kansas City on Sunday night. What type of situation is Gruden facing right now in Las Vegas? Well, I mean, you know – Facing Patrick Mahomes is difficult regardless, right? I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He stresses you like you can't believe. It is impossible. Imagine preparing for Patrick Mahomes without any of your defenders on the field. That's basically that's basically what it is. I mean, they have eight starters who are not in the field for practice. Now, it sounds like all those guys are going to be able to get back by Sunday. Some will get cleared Saturday. Some will get cleared Sunday. So that is good but they basically haven't been able to practice. So how do you do that? How do you get ready for Mahomes? I mean, these are the really fascinating things um, that we're going to see, and it's why this year is so, so, so different from really from any other year I can imagine. Yeah. Okay, Ian, let's uh, let's touch on Baltimore again this week. They, I know the weather was just an absolute train wreck on, on uh, last weekend against the Patriots on Sunday night, but – they seem to be trending down. Can, can they get it back? I mean, what's what's the concern level in Baltimore right now, specifically maybe with their defense? I don't know that there's that much of a question on their defense. I think there's more of a question on 
what happens when they fall behind. Like, their defense is good, and I think they'll get better. They're not probably not going to play as Campbell this week. I think they'll get better. Biggest question for me is, can Lamar throw his way out of kind of issues? Can he, if they get behind, can he just start firing? Can he lead a comeback? We have not seen that yet. Um, and that's, you know, life is not always, you're not always in third and three. Uh, and I think for, um, you know, certainly for this team, it's going to be really interesting to see how well they can come back. Because um, I think Lamar is awesome, but, you know, this is a big game. Team that obviously beat them in the playoffs. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it. Yeah, we'll let you go with just a couple of quick injury updates. Last week we talked running back. This week maybe wide receiver. Devontae Adams with a, with an ankle. Uh, Calvin Ridley trying to fight his way back from a foot. Uh, T. Higgins, I think, is is questionable this week. He's missed some time with an illness. What, what are the status of some yep. of these guys? Uh, T. Higgins is back at practice. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire missed Thursday with an illness, was back at practice. Kenny Galladay was not at practice. Presumably that means he's probably not going to play. Um, Ridley, I think, is headed in the right direction, so should be able to go. Um, I think that's obviously something we're going to be tracking. And, you know, Devontae Adams, we'll see him, and he's been banged up a little bit, but he, an ankle is different from a hamstring. So I, I, I will be keeping my eye on that Sunday, regardless of what he has ruled earlier in the day. All right, very good. Ian Rapport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, appreciate it, man. Enjoy that Saints game this week. Look forward to checking in with you next week and grading the, the performance of Taysom Hill. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> I look forward to that as well. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. Welcome back. It's our final hour of the night and our final hour of the week. It's Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. We have made it to another Friday. We're going to have another Husker football game headed your way tomorrow. In fact, Pre-game coverage begins now in under whew, 10 hours. That's just not going to get me a whole lot of sleep tonight, Ben. I, this, you know, it takes me like two more days to recover after these early, early morning starts. It's amazing, um, you know, at least for me. So having a couple of these already and just how gassed you feel at like six or yeah. seven o'clock, right? You're, yeah. you're so excited for that primetime game and then you sit on the couch, you're like, ooh, ooh, got some – Got some uh, weights on my eyelids here. Got to find a way to get these babies off. And then, you know, yes, last week we beat Penn State, and you know I'm ready to to freaking party. Uh, you know, at, at prime time, I, just winning and losing just it gives you so much more spark and energy. Um, you know, and and I'm hoping that uh, we feel the same this week after Illinois because, yeah, I, I'd like to stay up and watch some football if uh, if my body allows it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, coming up this hour, we're going to have our weekend preview. We'll also have our weekend review. Look back at the, all the great guests we've had here on Sports Highly the last four or five days, and we'll have our winners and losers of the week. All that coming up in the next, oh, now 55 minutes of the program. Let's get it going with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in. Watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. Well, this will be the uh, the final week without Craig. And he hoops. So that's a good thing. That's a positive. We'll yep. have something to add. 
other than just football, which is a good thing. We probably should start out by congratulating all the state champions in Nebraska high school football and thrilled for those kids that that were able to go through a season, um, you know, make those memories. I know not being able to play at Memorial Stadium, it's always one of my favorite weeks of the year, being able to go to the stadium and watch some high school football and you know, see the, the, the families and the, and the students and the, everybody support their teams. But uh, I know they started at, at 3 o'clock this afternoon. There's still some happening right now. So good luck to everybody out there either still playing, and congratulations to all those that are uh, now champions. It's, um, it's been a tumultuous year, and thankfully they've been able to make it through and, you know, get some trophies around their necks. No doubt. And how about the weather today for these finals? I mean, I was watching this afternoon with the Warden, Archbishop Bergen playing, and right now you still have the Class A game going on. But you talk about mid to upper 50s for kickoff for some of these games. That's fantastic. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. It, and congrats to the high school officials and all, all the people that hung in there and got those seasons completed. You're right. At least there's going to be some state championship trophies showing up in some schools around the state. Absolutely. But let's step it up a notch, go to the college ranks, and start with the Big Ten as we always do. And right out of the shoot at 11 – Kind of hacked off that we're not going to be able to watch it. Uh, Matchup with top 10 teams in Columbus at the shoe between Ohio State and Indiana. Buckeyes still a 21-point favorite in this one. How long can Indiana hold up in this one? I think it's going to look a little bit like the Huskers game. Honestly, a couple weeks ago, I think Indiana will be around for a while. But I think the superior talent of Ohio State pulls it through for them in the end. So I... I think Indiana makes it a game for a half, but it, it's this is too talented a Buckeye team. They they pull it all away. Yeah, I would agree, and I, and I think Indiana's going to score some points on them. But it's just it's just so hard, it's so hard to slow down Justin Fields in that offense for four quarters. Yep. Uh, okay, at two thirty, top twenty matchup in the West Division: Ryan Field and Evanston Badgers, almost an eight point favorite against the Northwestern Wildcats, six and zero combined, four and zero and. 2-0, he gave up our picks last hour, but uh, what's going to be the difference in this one? Well, I, I, I just think that there's a little bit more firepower for Wisconsin offensively, but, the man, those cats, they fight them hard every year. Fitz always comes up with a really good game plan to defend them. I think this one's going to hold your attention for a while. This is not going to be like the Buckeye Hoosier game where by half you're going to have a pretty good idea. This one's going to extend, I think, well into the afternoon. Yeah, I would agree. We will uh, we'll check out what uh, Peyton Ramsey and that Northwestern offense can get done um, against the Badgers, which is uh, it's never an easy chore. So we'll see how that one unfolds. 2.30, Husker fans will be able to watch that one at Ryan Field on ABC. That's where you not one uh, on your dial. Also at 2.30, this one on BTN, Iowa and Penn State. Hawks a field goal favorite. Man, Penn State just they can't catch a break, Greg, there. They're 0-4, trying to figure out a way to stay afloat, and then they get stories that, that are coming out of State College like the one today, and it's just it's just that not a good weird. look for, 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 for James Franklin and the coaching staff. It's just things aren't going right in State College right now, and uh, you know football on the hardwood, they just, they just need, they need something good to happen. Yeah, that was a weird story about Coach Franklin telling one player don't report that you got into a, a fight or something with another player. And this is what happens when you lose, right? This is what this stuff bubbles up when nobody's happy about anything. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really bizarre, but yeah, 
They need something good to happen. I think that's a really, really tight game all day tomorrow. Yeah, and Micah Parsons was involved in that. And for mm-hmm. greatest players, he is. This is a couple of things in the yep. last year that have come out against him. There was that that locker room kind of hazing incident that came out that he he was involved with, and now um, you know this fight that that's that that apparently there was a knife involved and. Man, this, it's not a surprise that he didn't come back after hearing some of this. I think yeah. that young man just wanted to stay out of trouble and, and turn the page, and um, he's going to have some answering of, of interviews to do um, whenever it is that that is for him coming up here in the NFL draft. Okay, and then at 6.30 on BTN, Michigan and Rutgers, uh, each team at 1-3. and three. How do you see this one going down? I mean, with Rutgers, they've they've really struggled slowing people down, but Michigan is just an abomination right now. <laughs> it's got to be close, right? I mean, come on. They're not playing well enough to put away anybody. So it's I think it's mm-hmm. probably a pretty close game. I don't know how much time I'm going to spend on it. I mean, there's got to be something else in prime time <laughs> that I'd rather see, isn't there? I mean, I don't yeah. know. If I'm stuck watching that one, it's going to be kind of depressing. Michigan State and Maryland canceled this week. Are, are, oh. Have the level of, of canceled games in the Big Ten concerned you? Or has it been one a week, been right? One a week since the opening week. And we had a buy-sell question come up by somebody really creative that would we get them all in week one? We did. That's the only week we got them all in. It's been one a week since that point in time. Probably is going yeah. to continue. All right, so that's it. For the Big Ten slate, we'll keep an eye on those games throughout. And, of course, Tim gave you an update on what's happening uh, in the Minnesota game as well. Um, Okay, so at 11 o'clock on ABC in the top 25, on paper, this is one you circled three, four years ago as one of the best matchups in the ACC. Now it's a 35-and-a-half point spread as Clemson on the road in Tallahassee at Doe Campbell taking on the Seminoles. It it blows my mind, Greg. Five touchdowns. Is Trevor back this week? Um, he is listed um, as uh, questionable. I think I don't. Huh. I haven't seen for a fact that uh, that he is. But it doesn't matter. I mean, Uagalele is just fine. Yeah, so. he is. But um, Lawrence has been out a long time, right? I mean, we got Brandon Peters expected to play tomorrow for Illinois. You would think Trevor Lawrence has got to be back any minute, unless he's still. Maybe he's not doing real well. Yeah, I, I, he's not even listed on, um, you know, any of the um, betting sites as hmm. on, on there. So maybe he is playing because I would imagine it would have said that he's out if he's not. So I guess I haven't played cl- paid close enough attention, or or it hasn't mattered enough to the point where. Uh, it yeah, it won't matter tomorrow. Much. You're right; it won't yeah. matter tomorrow. Also, at eleven on ESPN, sixth-ranked Florida and Vanderbilt Gators will run it up on on the old poor, poor Commodores. Trask will continue to try and add to his Heisman Trophy resume as uh, the Gators go down to Nashville. I should say go up to Nashville and take on Vanderbilt, who is 0-6. Also at 11, App State and 15th-ranked Coastal Carolina. Big game for the chance, Greg. They're up, they're, their record is 7-0. App State at 6-1. They're a five-point favorite. This might be the biggest test left on their schedule. They're undefeated. What are they? How far up in the polls are they now? What do you got them at? What are They're you showing 15th. them that side? This is 15, 15. 15 on the polls. Yeah. Coastal Carolina rank 15th in the country. And this isn't the FCS. Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so they've got App State, which which is a close, as, as we just talked about. They play Texas State, which will be a win. And then they've got Hugh Freeze's 21st-ranked Liberty Flames. We're going to have, Greg, in the Sun Belt, <laughs> a battle of two potential top 20 teams in a couple of, a couple of Isn't weeks. Isn't that something? Isn't out of the Sun Belt. Yeah. And a crazy so, – by look, the way, did you happen to see the end of the Tulsa-Tulane game last night? I mean, I was going I back and yeah. forth between that and the NFL game. It was great. So that was the same linebacker that the, that got the game-winning interception two weeks ago. So that was the, the kid that I was telling you wow. about. Wow. Um, yeah, should should be up there for for a high draft pick. Um, boy, BYU is going to struggle this weekend. They've got zero no, three no. North no, not. Alabama. <laughs> That's what an FCS that? program. Well, they Ben, they can't get anybody to play them. I mean, their schedule got blown up. So. Uh, they're hoping because the Pac-12 has now opened the door to allow a non-conference game if somebody loses a game. They are hoping to get an invite in December to go play at a Pac-12 team just to bolster their resume. But this one they added after everything else was canceling and shutting down in August and September. You can't blame them. They knew they needed games. This is just a game for them tomorrow. I will send you a shiny dime if you can tell me what the mascot of North Alabama is. Can't. Can't. (laughs) <laughs> they are the lions. So Tim, Tim the right now lions. would be Tim would be googling it. You know, it's a cheat to act like he knew sure. it all along. Yeah, the Fighting Lions going to Provo at Lavelle Stadium, <laughs> taking on the BYU Cougars at two thirty. This one should be good. Seventh ranked Cincinnati on ESPN on the road in Orlando at the Bounce Ooh. House, taking on UCF. Seven and zero and five and two Bearcats yeah. under a touchdown favorite, about six points in that one. Yeah, that's going to be good. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'll, I'll have to make sure I stop by and look, check that out a little bit. By the way, they're the yeah, Lions uh, for you guys. Uh, I think Tim, we just just announced that to the people, so thank you for that. No, it, right the, on, the beloved right mascot named Leo the Third. I think he actually died recently, so show some good. respect, Ben, please. Gee, many. <laughs> if you didn't know, they were the Lions out there. Uh, if you're just <laughs> if you're just catch, catching up with that, they, they are indeed the Lions. Also at 2.30 on ESPN2, UCLA taking on 11th-ranked Oregon. Ducks, 17-point favorites in this one. Tyler Shuck um, playing pretty well right now as a Duck quarterback without Justin Herbert, who is uh, tearing it up right now as a rookie for the Los Angeles Chargers. But the Ducks 2-0, probably improving to 3-0 tomorrow with a win over the Bruins. 3 o'clock on SEC, you've got Kentucky taking on Alabama. Tied huge, huge favorite in that one. Mac Jones trying to throw his name into the hat of a Heisman Trophy uh, for the Tide. Also at 3 o'clock on Fox, K-State and 17th-ranked Iowa State. This one in Ames. Cyclones, uh, an 11-point favorite in that one. Brees Hall, speaking of Heisman candidates, he's he's got an outside shot to, I don't, I'll say, make it to the ceremony. I doubt they're, they're all going to New York. But uh, leading the country in touchdown runs with 13 already. For Brees he's, Hall. He's good. He, he's really good. How about K-State's busing to Ames? Wow. To save money, they're busing there, but they will fly home. So they cut their charter bill in half. Uh, probably going to stay. I, I would guess they're going to stay in Des Moines, right? I mean, that's usually what football sure. teams do. They stay in Des Moines. So that cuts off 45 minutes. But that would probably be about a four, four-and-a-half-hour bus ride for them. But to save money, and they did this one other time. I think they did it when they played at Oklahoma. They bust there, but then flew home. Smart. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Get creative. 
Um, 6 o'clock, ESPN, Tennessee and Auburn. I'm kind of meh on this game, 2-4. and four. Me too. Vols against 4-2. and two. Uh, Auburn should be 3-3 three and three Auburn with uh, how they got yeah. how the Razorbacks got jobbed. Also at 6.30, SEC Network, 13th-ranked Georgia at home against the Pirate, Mike Leach. They, they're, they're dealing with all kinds of COVID issues. They had just enough players to be eligible to play in Athens against Georgia, who sounds like they're making a quarterback change. JT Daniels will get the start Ooh. for the Dogs. Going in, did you see uh, some kid with the last name Warren at Mississippi State has put his name in the transfer portal? Oh, man, just, just – I wonder if he ends up in the Big Ten, where mm-hmm. uh, just a better run conference, you know, where you know things are are maybe always Wisconsin. buttoned up, and yeah, could be. Uh, let's see. Also, six thirty. Here's your game, Greg. If you're not if you're not into Rutgers, you could watch Bedlam. Fourteenth ranked yep. Oklahoma State, eighteenth ranked Oklahoma Sooners, a seven point favorite in that one. Spencer yep. Rattler against Chuba Hubbard. I'm there. That's that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That and then I'll check in on Rutgers, Michigan. If I, if that if that works with you, that's probably what I'll do. Or or you could bounce over to Raleigh, North Carolina, and watch Hugh Freeze's Liberty Flames at eight and take on NC State, who is a five point favorite over Liberty. But uh, the Flames have have actually played a relatively tough schedule. Greg. Yeah, they've they've played a couple of teams that are that are worthy. NC State is probably in that category. Wolfpack still favored by nearly five points in that one. Yeah, I might. What? Where's that game? Where's it? What? What? Cha- that's on ESPN eight. three. So okay, maybe yeah, that's a that's a GameCast game. Yeah, yeah. Nine thirty though. There's a here's a good game. Buy sell question on the dark. line here. Yeah, twentieth ranked USC in Salt Lake City taking on the Utah Utes. Trojans a three point favorite in this one, and they've come from behind twice to be two and zero in the final minute of the game. And Utah, how about how about some of the teams, Greg? Let's just go up to Liberty, for example. They are eight and zero. Utah playing their first game, and God. the and the Liberty Flames are eight and zero. So eight games Boy. to now their first. What a weird year! Wow, strange. Yeah, and then obviously a handful of games postponed. Probably most notably Ole Miss and fifth ranked A and M, Texas and Kansas, and a couple others that uh, had to be postponed as well. Um, so a decent slate of college football coming your way uh, here tomorrow. Of course, Huskers starting it off at 11 a.m. against Illinois. Let's go to the National Football League next. Uh, starting at noon, the, this is the, these first couple are Fox games. You have the Eagles against the Browns. Cleveland uh, a three-point favorite in that one. Browns at 6-3. and three. Eagles still trying to fight their way through that tumultuous uh, NFC South division. Just a really, really... Uh, or NFC East division, I should say. Really tough division there. You know, that, that it's just I don't know how yeah. anybody makes it out of there alive. Um, <laughs> Falcons and Saints, this one is NFC South. Atlanta against Taysom Hill. Greg, he's going to take over. What in uh, the world? Jay, <laughs> what do we get? We heard from Ian earlier. The, I think Sean Payton is just like a kid at Christmas. You know, he, he, he's got this secret man crush on Taysom Hill where there's a package – uh, of 10 to 15 plays for him every week. And, and I think finally he's excited to just turn him loose against Atlanta. So was there, a, was there a fight? That was the talk that there was a fight between Jamison and Sean Payton that they got into a fisticuff thing. <laughs> and that Payton says, you're done. I'm not playing you. You're out. That's, that, I mean, I, that's crazy if that's what happened today. Yeah, absolutely um, just, a, just a train wreck. 
of a situation. But I think he's always been excited to, you know, give Taysom yeah. Hill some snaps. And, you know, we'll get to see what he does against Atlanta. That, that, that'll be an interesting game right out of the shoot on Fox yep. with the Saints and the Falcons. Also at noon, you have the Bengals against the Washington football team. Washington nearly a two-point favorite. And that one, each team with two wins. Also at noon on Fox, the Lions and the Panthers. No Christian McCaffrey again uh, for the Carolina Panthers. So he's come back and played one game, and he's missed two straight. And also no DeAndre Swift for Detroit. So those fantasy owners uh, get in there and get that changed. His concussion will keep him out against Carolina. So the Lions, who had a walk-off 59-yard field goal last week against Carolina, who was just 3-7 and seven on the year. Also at noon on CBX, the 9-0 and Steelers against the 1-8 and Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't know if it's Jake Luton or Gardner Minshew. Last I looked, Minshew was questionable. Doesn't matter. I don't think it's going to matter. Pittsburgh, <laughs> a 10.5-point favorite, looking to go 10-0 and on the year. Also at noon on CBS, this one on paper should be good. I think one team uh, is going to come out of this with confidence. The other is going to continue to maybe be on on shaky ground, and that's the Titans at six and three, and the Ravens at six and three. I think Baltimore's trending down. Tennessee had a tough game last week too. Who you like in this one? I'll go the home team. Give me the Ravens to bounce back. They're going to need better play out of their offense if they're going to start coming back and uh, taking control of this division. There's still time Once to rally. Again. For anybody who's not playing well now, you're still so far away from the playoffs starting that you still have plenty of time to kind of reverse course and pick up your play, and I think Baltimore will do that. Sure. Also at noon on CBS, Patriots and Texans. New England a two-point favorite there, and that wraps up your uh, your first afternoon slate. The evening slate at 3 uh, You've got Tua Tungaloa, who is 2-0 as a starter um, now going to Denver to take on the three and six Broncos. He should re- remain unbeaten. Uh, Dolphins a slight favorite in this one. Miami's defense is a scrappy mm-hmm. group. I, I really is. like the way that their defense plays. Yeah, they're not bad. And we'll, you know, for those of you who just have cable or whatever, that that's probably the CBS game we'll get because of Denver. Mm-hmm. Also at three oh five, CBS Jets at zero nine, Chargers at two and seven, and Justin Herbert's Chargers a ten point favorite in that one. Austin Orman's Indianapolis Colts will host the Green Bay Packers at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis at 325 on Fox. Pencil me in for that. I'd like to see Phillip Rivers throw some to the Packers. Might as well. And you're down on him. He was awesome their last game. <laughs> yeah, he didn't turn the ball over once, which is really a shame because we all love we all love Rivers interceptions. They're 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 a staple of of Sundays, and quite frankly, I missed it missed it last week. 325, the Cowboys fresh off a of bye week. We'll see if they look rejuvenated against no. the four and five Minnesota Vikings. You're not expecting the Cowboys to come no. light up Minnesota? No. Vikings have kind of corrected course here a little bit. It was a nice win for them in, in, in Chicago. I think the Vikings are going to be playing better in the last month. And their hey, fans man, are certain just... their fans are fired up about them too. Especially when you can oh yeah, always. <laughs> when you can just turn and hand the ball to Dalvin Cook every play, good things typically happen. And uh, could be Dalvin Cook against Ezekiel Elliott, who's really been struggling for Dallas. We'll see if he can get going uh, against Minnesota. Three twenty-five on Fox. Then the Sunday night game: the Chiefs Ooh, in Vegas taking on the Raiders, who really haven't had any defensive players practice all week. Eight starters have been out all week uh, due to contact tracing and COVID protocols. Most of them will be eligible to play, but they're not going to have 
practiced all week, Greg. Yeah, they'll, they'll get him on the field, but the, the Chiefs should be highly motivated. Coming off of a bye week, lost to the Raiders earlier. I would be shocked if the Chiefs don't play really well on Sunday. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Chiefs are an eight-point favorite and 8-1. Uh, and one. Vegas at 6-3. and three. Teams on a bye this week. The Buffalo Bills, the Chicago Bears, the New York Football Giants, and the San Francisco 49ers. So four teams on buys. Other than that, pretty much uh, it's a much more balanced slate, too. Last week, I think we had like five or six games in the noon window and like five or six games in the 3 o'clock window. It was the most split I had ever seen um, in regards to TV. But a little more balanced this week as a lot of noon kicks and a, a couple of 3 o'clock kicks, too. So um yeah get excited for that all right there we go football and college basketball though just around the corners you'll be able to add that to your docket in the coming weeks good stuff there final segment of the night final segment of the week time for the winners and losers of the week ben lead us off yeah my winner goes to uh, all the high school athletes in the nsaa for being able to play a whole season gave them a shout out earlier and, and worth repeating um, some of my favorite memories as a kid going to high school football games and, you know, being a part of, of those teams. And, and of course, you know, so many kids memories and, and last time they'll be able to play football. So uh, shout out to them and, and my winners of the week, my loser of the week, the golden window MTE event. Mm. This, this thing is, is on its last leg. Um, this looked like such a great event even four days ago. And now there may not even be event. To, to, to speak of, but, but, but when this thing's all said and done. So that's that's my loser. That's too bad. Tim. Yeah, Ben took the words right out of my mouth. My loser, that golden window opportunity or event, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it probably ain't going to happen now. Very sad to see. Uh, my winner of the week, though, looks like uh, fights in football are making a comeback. Uh, Joe Judge <laughs> reportedly fighting his off at the line coach, Penn State. <laughs> they got some scraps going on there. Uh, listen, I'm all about it. Uh, just settle your fights. Uh, as long as you're doing it bare-knuckle boxing style, uh, I'm all about it. Good stuff. All right. Very, very good. Okay. My, my loser of the week, I'm going to go James Franklin, the Penn State football coach. I mean, not only is his team 0-4, a team that was a preseason top 10, but now the story that comes out about him telling a player not to talk to police following a fight with a star linebacker, Michael Parsons, uh, back in 2018 that involved punching, choking, a knife being pulled. Great stuff all the way around. Uh, this now has been leaked out. This uh, another stain on that football program that is trying to dig out of an own four start. It'll see, it'll be interesting to see how that affects them tomorrow as they get ready to uh, play the Iowa Hawkeyes in a football game. My winner of the week. I don't know if you guys have been kind of following the season of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, but my goodness, last night they won for the third time this year when they trailed by at least fourteen points in a game. They pulled out an overtime win over Tulane. They intercepted a pass in the second overtime ran it back, and Ben, you were saying that the kid that did that, he's had multiple starring moments this year for Tulsa football. Yeah, he had the game-winning interception last week, too, so um, it's just been against SMU, so been a, been a good season. That, that, that game against Oklahoma State to start the year was not a fluke. No, they're a really solid football team. In fact, in line right now to win their division of the AAC and play in their conference championship game. All right, that's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you. We're back here quickly in about nine hours for the opening drive as the Oscars get set to take on the Fighting Illini.